Today's podcast is brought to you by Carrick's Audio and Audible, audibly acceptable audiobooks. Right now, you can get over 100,000 million books through the Carrick's Audio Bookstore. New York Times classics like I Married a Werewolf, Teen Bruisers, What is This Dark Spot, Why Can't I Pull Off My Own Face, and the classic award-winning self-help book, How to Staple Your Mouth Shut by Here is just a small sample of the audio quality that you can expect. He flicked the hair out of his face, the sweat beating off of it, his weight pressed down on her, his lithe form finding comfort in her curves. There was a sensuous quality to her body he couldn't get enough of. He slipped her bra off smoothly and tossed it under the hard concrete floor. Bill patted the old Corvette with one hand. That's it, baby. Let me know all your secrets. An entire world is waiting for you. Just download them on the go to your Android or that one company that fucking hates headphones so they remove the port completely. Listen on the go. Pretend you're busy so you don't have to engage with others in society. And that's right, you can do it all from the comfort of your little safety cocoon of sound, you goddamn introverts. It's best if you also don't make eye contact and beat your head like you're cooler than everyone else is. Just $19.99 a month plus taxes and fees and VAT times too or our subscription service that's only $19.99 a month plus VATs and fees and service times too and allowing our tracking cookies, you can have instant access to all that you desire when it comes to the audio realm. So join Carrick's Audio and Audible Audibly Acceptable Audiobooks now for when your eyes are just too fucking lazy to move side to side. And remember, you can't cancel at any time. Carrick's Audio and Audible Audibly Acceptable Audiobooks. Let's just stop moving as a species, you fatties. We're slipping into it. I bet you can tell. I bet you can feel it. Slipping into stupid. Just like a breach birth. Feet first into stupid. And that is... The new console releases. You can tell, you can sense it. If you go onto Twitter, if you go onto Facebook, if you go anywhere, you can actually just smell it. Read the desperation in tweets. Read all of the weird fandom that goes on. It's worse than almost any sports team when you look at it, especially from afar, when you see it in a bit of an unemotional way. Now, I get it that especially younger people, I think that they get emotionally connected to their consoles. It's sort of like their best friend to them. And Maybe that's true, and maybe that's something that we shouldn't all have a problem with. If somebody is that connected to their console, then maybe there's social issues that they have. But when you sit back and you look at the way they treat their consoles and treat their companies, you would assume that these companies were out there giving them hand jobs and saving babies from floods, but they don't. They don't do anything. And instead, what you see is this unfettered, really unconventional love affair that goes on between especially console warriors and their consoles. You see it sometimes with Team Red and Team Green, AMD and NVIDIA, but really, I think there's a clear-cut winner there. And here, it's really confused people. You've got the Switch that goes off on its own and does something different, and that means Sony and Nintendo fans can't clamor against it and can't be like, it's not the Wii U, at least, because it's in a completely different demographic, and it would slaughter both of them if they tried. Sony's tried multiple times and had utter failure each time to the point to where if you own a Vita or a PSP, we all laugh at you. But you look at what's coming up now and you look at these next-gen systems and it's pretty creepy. You might be asking yourself, why did I bring this up? Well, one of the things I want to talk about today is uh, how your word, my word, and our opinions don't really matter in every single conversation. The world is out there treating you with kid gloves. It's out there trying to pretend like everything you say and does matters. It doesn't. That's the honest truth. And when you become an adult, you will one day realize that, that not everything you say or does matters. What you say or do that creates an effect will matter. And that's the difference. And of course, as the world's continued, we want everybody to feel special and you are, or at least you have the special 
capabilities to go out there and make those effects. You do have those things, but you won't all the time. Just like your opinion won't matter all the time. Put a baker in a rowboat. But I want to give you another little bit of an example for this that I was thinking about a couple days ago. You know, let's say my dad worked at NASA and it was Father Sunday and we go in and we're hanging out with the guys and they're talking about chicks and they got their pin protectors and they sit down around a boardroom and they're like, hey, as long as you don't tell anybody you can sign this NDA, you can sit in here and talk about the next space shuttle that's going up into space. And then they just stop. They just stop. They look at me and they say, hey, you know what, Carrick? Should we use the molecular array adhesive steps with a polyfluoride dip? Or should we just stick with the sodium isotope bath and the 3D printer array manufacturing process? They would do that if they could and if they wanted to fucking explode. My opinion wouldn't matter in that situation. Many times our opinions don't. The world will sit there and it will tell you that it does and that it matters all the time. But sometimes sitting back and actually listening, watching and actually understanding what is going on around you is much more important than just having your say added to some demographic crowd or some Twitter poll. Anyway, that's the beginning of this podcast. I welcome all of you to the ACG podcast. This is like 209, I think it could be 208. We won't know until it goes live, but it'll be 20 something because we've hit 200 over the time frame. And guess what? We're climbing up iTunes and Spotify. I got to tell you, nothing more important, nothing at all is more important. And this is one of the few times when what you do or say can actually make a difference. Go to iTunes and write a review for this, please. If you like it, write a review. If you don't like it, write a review. If you think I cuss too much, write a review. It doesn't matter. Write a review. Give your honest response, your honest thoughts. Giving those reviews helps us climb the ropes, man. It helps us get up there to the top. Something that most of us in gym class could never do. Well, we're doing it on iTunes and Spotify. It's been fantastic. Go to Spotify. Listen. Add us to playlists. Tell your friends on Twitch. I'm not joking, guys. We lost all sponsors on this already. That's why you heard the fake sponsor at the starting. I have no clue if we'll get a sponsor later. There won't be any break in the center with a sponsor either. So there are no ads on this now either. I've lost a bunch more. So this kind of stuff, if you're not going to go to Patreon or Facebook, this can help. It's dire. Please do so. Let's begin. So we got the new consoles. Microsoft got the leak. Xbox X, Xbox S. We find out later that they had an entire event planned, but it gets leaked by a journalist slash YouTuber slash influencer. I don't even know really what he is. Brad Sims, he leaks this. Um, <laughs> it was leaked in the middle of the night. We now know it was actually absolutely a on accident leak. There were some rumors that it was on purpose. And this is something that I've debunked multiple times. There have for sure been in the past one or two occasional on-purpose leaks, but usually they're not done that way. And to be honest, it's usually much more difficult than just having your own time frame. And they did have a time frame, but it got leaked. So we found out the prices and the prices came out stunningly good. Same day, EA says, you know what? We're going to add EA Play to Xbox Game Pass. Now, I get that that's a value for a lot of people. There's always a discussion as well, especially from PlayStation fans who will be like, they don't have any exclusives. And I'll be all, actually, they've got Halo and they've got Forza. They've got Microsoft Flight Sim. They had Ori, but now they're letting that on other systems. We'll see how that goes, Cuphead. And then I heard somebody say, yeah, but those are also on PC. And of course, the first thing I said was, then we can't count Horizon Zero Dawn 
or Death Stranding anymore as exclusives either. This is a discussion that'll be very fun to see the vulnerability of PlayStation owners and just how much they go into a panic whenever this is now brought up, especially as Sony has made it quite clear and we've seen it quite clear on various different press releases that Sony is looking to do this more so and more often. Additionally, companies that release on the Sony and the Xbox are looking at doing this as well. So it's going to be a fun discussion to have. But you get this value proposition, right? You get the Xbox S and the Xbox X, and you get this, what I consider a fairly good price. And now we find out Sony is doing their event on Wednesday. Now their event is called Project Nimble. The reason why it's called Nimble, at least the rumor is, is because they wanted to continue to stay nimble and wait for Microsoft to announce their price. There was also, within the same rumors, the idea that Sony was in an absolute panic over the price and did not know Microsoft was going to go that cheap. Does that mean anything? No, in the long run, they could go for the same prices. I would not be surprised to see them match Xbox in that way. It'll be very odd, though, if they try to match Xbox by doing $100 off on the disc-less version, because anybody who's anybody knows that you're talking at very most, by the way, just looking at very typical prices, at huge numbers, anywhere from 10 to $20 per CD unit to be put into these uh, to these consoles. So if they're charging a $100 premium for the disc version, there's gonna be sort of an uproar about that. That's gonna be sort of crazy. So what you've got is the Xbox S and Xbox X, and the S has a little bit less memory. It's got the same CPU, by the way, which both CPUs, the S and the X, are actually faster than the PS5, which uh, will uh, certainly help its frame rate but it's got a different kind of graphics card. So we'll see how that goes. And originally we had a lot of developers who were very mad. Now, one of the things to realize is that a lot of those developers also admitted that they did not know the exact specs for the Lockhart until just now. They were able to push a button on their dev kits. This has been leaked by a certified for sure developer for Borderlands where they were able to push a button on their Xbox X and it would turn it into a Lockhart in software. What does that mean? That means it turns some CUs off. Those are computational units. Those are what are on your GPU. And it adjusted its memory allocation. And that would allow you, if you were a developer, to adjust and see what you got. Now, some people were actually not happy with that. And now the people who've got their hands on the S are actually stating that it's more powerful than that button was actually showing on the X. So we're gonna have sort of an issue there. One of the questions I get, will it hold it back? So I've discussed this with multiple developers and two developers who originally said it would. Then when I started talking to them and asking them exactly how it would hold it back, they were actually starting to change their mind. We already saw one on Twitter sort of go back on everything they said now that they've pretty much got a handle on exactly what it is. Um, we will see. One of the caveats to a discussion that the S holds the X back is that the PS5 would hold the X back as well because the PS5 and the Xbox have uh, a fairly large computational unit speed difference. And this is the same conversation, of course, that would come up if you talked about the PS5 and the SSD when it comes to the Xbox. If your game takes just advantage of the SSD, that's the one difference between these two power plays is one is the typical status quo kind of power and the other is SSD, which no Nobody exactly knows what kind of reflection that will have in games. And your game will really have to sort of be made for those. But what you've got is a good deal for consumers. And that's what matters. An S and an X. And you've got your PlayStation 5 and Discless coming. But what's even more important is you've also got the Switch. And you have the rumor, uh, as of day before yesterday, that S Nintendo had told their developers, prepare your games to be 4K in the future. What does that mean? 
people always ask that. Let's say you package up your game and you know that the top most resolution on your game is 1080p. You can quite easily lock those textures down. You can put the textures in that you know you will use and you can save some space, especially on a cartridge-driven title or a title that's on a small memory footprint system like the Switch. And that's what's important here when you look at these consoles and them saving any space that they can. This is something that you will see on the Xbox X and S in particular. It's something that Microsoft has talked about using, uh, whether it's AI artificial sharpening or AI artificial upscaling on textures if they can save spots. So you might be able to get a sort of like Final Fantasy came with a 4K patch. You might be able on the S to get a 1440 patch. Now, a lot of people have also asked this, why 1440? 1440 perfectly upscales to 4K, that's all. That's the reason why. 1440 is actually a sweet spot within the demographic, I would say, of most consumers when it comes to middle and to medium high end. So when you have a graphics card, 1440p is actually much easier to hit 60, 70, 80 frames than 4K 60. There's a huge pixel jump there. And a lot of people want 1440p because once again, it's easier for an upscaling to happen. Now I've heard people say, well, they're gonna upscale to 4K just like the Xbox X or the Xbox S. That is correct. They'll have upscalers. Most likely there'll be improvements on the upscaling as we've heard on all these systems. However, when you have the actual higher resolution in your upscaling, you do have more data and that actually will help your picture. So I'm just looking through the questions here and that's what I'm gonna do for a lot of this podcast is ask questions that have come up. Another thing that's come up is, what are we gonna see? What iterative change are we gonna see in these DualSense and let's say the actual rumble feedback triggers of the Xbox? One of the things that people forget is that the Xbox does have the ability to separate your right and left rumble. It doesn't have the ability to push back, but it does have that rumble and it is used in games. We will indeed see an improvement on the PS5 when it comes to the way that it handles the actual triggers. But one of the problems that we'll probably run into, and this is just me guessing, is that just like the Xbox, we didn't have a lot of devs use it. A lot of devs will probably try to play around with it. This is something that we saw as well with the light bar. As somebody who's lived through these guys, I mean, I know that people get mad about this because it, they feel like it's raining on their parade. But what we're just trying to say is that a thing that is introduced, if not drastically picked up by a large amount of developers or very easy to implement with no real let's say resource management that's required or able to implement very easily with you know software testing of some kind. You don't see jumps to those things. That's just the way it is for consoles. And it makes sense when you think about it. The very same reason that a lot of people like consoles, which is the ease of entry, which is turning it on and it just works <laughs> to steal something from Bethesda. Those kind of things actually matter for a lot of console gamers and they stick with those things. Also, I've been asked, will the consoles allow for the prior hardware to work on them? Well, we do know with Xbox, yes, you'll be able to use your steering wheel, your joysticks for flight games, and your controllers forwards and backwards compatible. Those are completely compatible. PS5, no, you will not. The PS5 controllers won't go backwards, and the PS4 controllers, from what I understand, will work on PS4 games, but not on PS5. So that also makes me wonder if their steering wheels will be as well. Somebody can, of course, pop into the comments or Twitter and remind me if I'm wrong and that perhaps they've stated that steering wheels would. They originally did, but now that was quite a while ago. The next question was on backwards compatibility. Will it return to be something that Microsoft looks at for further Xbox 360 and Xbox original games? That question is a good question, but a, basically what they've stated is that 
Once they got the 360 games, they could via licensing. You must remember that to get that backwards compatibility going, they had to actually have developer input. Here they don't. So they needed developer input, especially for Xbox original titles. And those developers are gone. Some of those guys don't even exist. They actually legitimately don't exist. There is no company left for some of these IPs and the work to do so just didn't make any more sense. So they've moved on and they're making sure that your Xbox original games, your Xbox S and X games work correctly on the series S and X. Now, another thing I was asked, because I guess this is confusing. I personally believe that for the most part, this is concern trolling because I can't figure out how it would just matter in this one particular instance, but I'll explain it. The Xbox S and X will upscale prior content in direct connection with whichever one you buy. If you buy the S, it will upscale from the originals. And if you buy the X, it will upscale from the X. That's it. It's fairly simple. It's commensurate with the power of the system that you buy. I think there's a lot of concern trolling. People are like, I can't believe it, man. There's going to be such insane confusion. And no, there's not. It's fairly simple. In fact, it's actually insanely simple when you look at the various different naming nomenclatures we've got from other systems and how difficult those were actually to understand. Here, you're looking at a situation where, like, let's say the DS Lite, or the, I'm sorry, the Switch Lite wouldn't even allow you for you to do the one thing that the Switch was known for, which was take the fucking Joy-Cons off. Things like that. So this is not something that normal consumers will have issues with. Is it something that a grandma can have an issue with? Absolutely. But there's two caveats logistically and logically that I think a lot of people are not accepting. And they don't want to accept it because they want to sort of pretend there's an issue. The first one is logic. Let's discuss this old grandmother syndrome that everybody has sort of invented in the last couple of years for various different system issues, because this isn't the first time. The old grandmother, the old grandmother who doesn't know shit, the old grandmother who now we're going to logistically and logically pretend shows up at a store and has $300, $400, $500, but doesn't actually investigate what they're buying. At that point, you're like, hey, you know what? You've got enough money. You don't care what you're buying. That's probably a particular situation that doesn't really connect to most of us. Most consumers are not actually at that level. In fact, I would say a great deal of consumers are not. If they are going via a list for little Jimmy, if little Jimmy said, hey, go buy me a Series X, then they walk in and say, I need a Series X. The reason why I bring this up is because you look at Lego. Lego has 55 different brands. It's got 85 different versions of those 55 different brands. It's got mega blocks. You have all of these ripoffs. And for the most part, things are purchased correctly. Are things purchased incorrectly? Sure. Yes, they are. There's always going to be the small chance of somebody purchasing something incorrectly. That also actually occurs when we're in something called reality. So there's nothing special there. People will pretend it's special, but once again, that's concern trolling. It would be the same way if you said the PS4 Pro and PS4 would suddenly magically be something that absolutely confused somebody. It doesn't. PS4 Slim. Oh, man. PS4 Slim, PS4, PS4 Pro. Everybody's going to be up in arms. There's going to be riots. They're going to be stealing the steak and probably eating one another. No, it's not true. It's a complete lie. And what it's done is a fabrication, either for clickbait or because people want to actually try to pretend there's an issue. This is the same thing that's gone on for years and years and years. Anytime anybody wants to try to cause an issue when it comes to uh, consumer purchasing something, many times when it uh, sort of is out of their bailiwick. Additionally, you'll see a lot of clickbait videos. That's what's going to happen this year. It's going to be all kinds, by the way. It's going to be the discless is a ripoff for the PS4 or sorry, the PS5, it's going to be that the S is a ripoff for Xbox. This is stuff you just have to 
be prepared for and you just have to put your shields up because it's going to happen a lot a lot of people feed on this this is the only way they get views they don't have anything qualitative to say and this is the only way they're going to get views is with a bunch of clickbait you just gotta be prepared for it you have to be up and ready now a lot of people have asked me why don't i do more of those videos why i don't do more talky videos right it's a good question one of the reasons why i don't is because frankly I only say stuff when I feel that it needs to be said, when I feel that the standard consumer might uh, have an issue with something. For example, the Control Ultimate Edition and the various different ways in which they said it wasn't possible. And then we found out not only was it possible, they did it on accident. I do a video on those because those, I think, logistically matter to a far greater number than pretending that little Jimmy and their grandma can't figure out what to get, even though they're spending three to $500 in the middle of COVID. A lot of people like to pretend that everybody's just frivolent with their money and that there's absolutely no watchmen out there making sure that things are done right. It's pretty stupid. It's pretty easy to do. So I don't really do a lot of those videos. I'll do them when I feel the absolute need or when I'm really rankled by something, when something just really rubs me the wrong way and I'm like, this is unacceptable. I will absolutely do a video on that. It's funny that I lost my Twitter monetization as well within two days of doing the Epic slash control slash 10 cent slash, you know, 505 uh, control video. I lost it and they would never tell me why. It was weird. So I, I seem to lose stuff uh, during those talkie videos. And I have a feeling sometimes it's because I piss somebody off. One of the things I've made sure to do in these podcasts is always, you know, go from positive to negative, negative to positive. We don't want to stick on the negative stuff for too long. And I can certainly get you know, pretty up in arms about particular things. So I want to talk about something positive. You know, I, I always talk about messing around with uh, various different RPG stuff, you know, whether it be solo RPGs or group RPGs, tabletop RPG, uh, miniatures, that kind of thing. One of the things I've picked up, I've always had a larger tablet and that tablet I usually use for PDFs, for comic books and stuff like that. But recently... I remembered that you could use a you could use a tablet as a painting tablet. Obviously, now it's not going to be as good as the ones you buy, but you could use a tablet. You can buy yourself, you know, a, a stylus if you don't have one, and you can paint right on your tablet. So what I did was a couple, just about two, three weeks ago, ended up buying myself two or three really good stylus. One that's actually battery driven, and you can have really fine pencil points on it, or 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 pin points on it so that when it touches the glass, it's not like the bigger, more soft ones. And I've been messing around with those. And I got to tell you, it's so nice. There's something just so casually laid back and calming about shading in colors on, on something, not just drawing, but like coloring almost. And interestingly enough, where this comes up is miniatures. So a lot of miniatures you can buy that are unpainted and their GIF or their preview picture will be unpainted as well. So what I've been doing lately is grabbing myself 5, 10, 16 of those, throwing them on the tablet and painting them the way I would want to paint them if I bought them and seeing how they looked and, you know, investigating shading and stuff like that. And on a 3D object like that versus something 2D, like let's say it was a comic book, uh, you know, where you were painting over it. It's not as interesting to me here with the 3D miniatures. It's been absolutely fantastic to sort of go ahead and mess with that and have a calming Sort of a calming thing that I can do that's on the side that isn't connected to games, isn't connected to any of this. A lot of people were asking me, and I did this in the vlog, they were saying, you know, it seems like a lot of videos have been coming out. And that is true. This morning I would have made a normal video, but I ended up doing the joke 
uh, ad that you guys heard this morning and then decided to do this probably tomorrow I'll do a video. A lot of companies are doing a lot of different stuff. I've been hearing uh, there's you know some pretty big games headed my way. We'll hope that that's true, especially with all the demonetization issues. Uh, but it's been something that has, it's been sort of fun and it hasn't been. You know, when it comes to creating content more often, there's a freedom there that I think requires a little less forethought. So let me give you an example. If I do a preview, I don't have to put my foot down. And we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about like putting your foot down on the score. But if you're doing a preview or you're just doing some impressions, you don't have to put your foot down. Now, there's a freedom in that because you know that when you post it, you're, there's really not a lot somebody can say. They can, If you're wrong, you'll be wrong, right? But I usually make sure that my facts when I'm talking about a game are correct. But when it comes to a preview or impressions, you're not really putting your foot down, right? You're not giving it a score. So that will stop a good number of people both agreeing and disagreeing with you. Now, this is one of the reasons why I know for a fact, because I've talked about this before, why some people have gone away from scores because they just don't want the fight. And we've seen it on my Twitter. There's been a couple times where you guys have seen me talking to other Twitter uh, people, reviewers who said, you know, it's so nice not doing a review score. I just don't have to have the fight. I don't have the battle because there's no score for somebody who disagrees with me to really fight against. They can say, oh, he liked it or she liked it more than they should have or hated it more than they should have. But that's about it. They can't say, my God, six months ago, so-and-so said it was, you know, definitely something you should buy. And this time, this game, he said, it's definitely something you shouldn't look and compare those two. They can't even do that because they can't even remember the score. There's no Metacritic for it. It's an interesting time. Also, I have to say, I completely, utterly disagree. I think logically, I disagree. Scientifically, I disagree. I, it would have to be explained to me by somebody far more intelligent than myself uh, why scores should go away. I don't like scores. When I'm talking about scores, of course, I'm talking about alphanumeric or number. I don't talk to my friends that way, and that's why I don't like them, not because I don't find them useful. Let me give you an example. I never said, this game is an A, this game is four stars, or this game is a 7.5 to a friend. It's never happened. It would never happen, ever. It wouldn't happen. I don't talk like that, and I don't know a single human that I've ever talked to about games who has ever talked like that. What we do say, though, is what it's worth. Is it worth getting now? Is it worth waiting? What are the bugs? That kind of thing, right? And I've talked about this before. So I see a lot of people saying, man, reviews, they just need to go the way of the dodo. This is sort of like when people say, uh, you know, sound music and voice and cutting them in categories needs to go the way of the dodo. But I don't think I don't think review scores do, even though I don't like them. I don't see there for, for sure. Nothing has changed, by the way. You have a lot of people lie to you and they'll be like this. So and so has changed the you know, we definitely these are, you know, something old, some new old system that needs to go away. No, not at all. There's absolutely nothing that backs that up numerically, scientifically, in any way, shape or form, certainly not logically that actually backs that, that up. There's arguments, by the way, people will hear me say that and they'll be like, oh, well, I have a disagreement here. Let me explain it to you. You may have sort of an, a subjective reason why you don't like them, but that is not in any way, shape or proof, any kind of of proof that those need to go away or that they are in some way antiquated. And I'm not talking down to you guys. You guys know that you're following somebody who doesn't do review scores in that way. So I'm sure that you don't care either way or you came to me because I do them a certain way. But I think that that big brawl is sort of weird. You can certainly say, hey, I like this kind of score review system. Even if it's not mine, you can say, I like this one better or I like no score better. I get that. But saying that something has magically changed in the way worlds and people work is that's just, well, it's wrong. I mean, it's scientifically wrong. There's no, there's no absolute way whatsoever to prove that 
And there's certainly nothing that indicates that uh, those are, are magically now steering us wrong. There's a longevity issue where I think a lot of people bring it up. They say, you know, you gave a 7.5 to Metal Gear 2, you know, and now Metal Gear 77's out and you gave it a 3. How dare you? And it's like, dude, is it the same person? Was it the same, what, it's same gen? Obviously, it wasn't in that example, but you get my drift. Moving on from there, let's talk about snacks, man. Lately, I'll tell you what, lately, I, I'm one of those type of people that I'm always doing various different things, whether it be Atkins, whether, you know, uh, sorry, low carb for for the new newfangled peeps, uh, or it is, you know, some kind of intermittent fasting. I'm always doing something because I, I sort of like that. I sort of like a regimented kind of diet for myself, not an open-ended diet. I think an open-ended diet for me doesn't work because I have a tendency to go long periods of time without eating and then small periods of time eating like a fucking horse, just like a mammoth. So lately I've been trying to find a bunch of different snacks and I do the weirdest shit, man. These are some of the snacks I eat. This is no lie. Peppersinis right out of the jar. I will grab 30 peppersinis, which, or pepperoncinis, depends on where you're from and how you pronounce those. So those are the small sour style peppers that you'll see on like a Subway sandwich. They're not very hot until you get to like the fourth or fifth one and then you keep eating them and they can get a little bit, you know, a little bit tart. <laughs> I love those. My mouth is watering. I just realized my mouth was watering. When I'm talking about it, I'm going to almost have to spit. It's crazy how much I enjoy those things. What are some other, I like lemons with salt poured on them. That's true. Uh, people see me eat it. It is true. It's a weird fetish of mine, but I like it. Green apples with salt. I love that. I literally have to get a drink here. Sorry about that. I had to get a drink. It was causing me to salivate because I want it so bad right now. I love sour things, man. I love salt. I like salt on everything. And, you know, as you get older, they're always like, watch your blood pressure. When I was really young, my blood pressure was through the roof and stayed that way. It's always been super high. So I'm just one of those type of people that's like, I'm like a fucking high pressure car tire. Shit will happen. Shit will go wrong at some point. That's life. Going to have to deal with it. So I eat the fuck out of some salt when it comes down to it. I, I certainly sprinkle it all on shit. I probably shouldn't. What are some other? I love spicy peanuts with a slice of cheese. This is going to sound weird. I don't know if you guys have them where you are, but I'm going to look at them right now. I'm going to grab them. So we have Kroger, which is your Fred Meyer brand, which is your generic brand. Most of the West Coast has these. I think East Coast has some pig and something. I can't remember, but there's a there's an East Coast with a weird, really weird name for their generic. But it's called Hot and Spicy Peanuts. And all they are is like a cayenne or a salted, maybe almost like a seasoning salt. Yeah, like a seasoning salt, really spicy seasoning salt. Grab a handful of those, especially if you're working out. This is great if you're working out. Grab a handful of those and a slice of like Colby cheese. The creamy of the cheese actually, you know, takes a little bit of the burn away. Not that there's a lot of burn at all. For those, there's none. You can eat them by themselves. But mixed together, they're very good. And they work really well for working out. I don't know about you guys. I'd like to hear what you think uh, on Twitter. When you get to this part, do hashtag, we'll go with uh, hashtag spicy. If you got this far, hashtag spicy on Twitter. Tell me what it is. What's your favorite snack? What's a snack that you eat that might be weird to others? Because I'm definitely a person who doesn't experiment with food, but I find that some legacy snack that stuck with me creeps people out. Like, not the spicy peanuts, people are normal with that, but like a lot of people probably wouldn't grab peppersinis for absolutely no reason or salt and put it on a lemon. Maybe salt on a green apple. I think that's, I don't think that's as strange. I could be wrong on that though. 
a little bit of tartness with that uh, with the saltiness of a green apple. But I love me some snacks, man. It's crazy, especially now. Working the weird hours I work, though, it's really hard to figure out exactly what I'm supposed to eat, when I'm supposed to eat it. And you get busy doing podcasts like Friday. We rolled out of the podcast. I think I did, you know, I do a secret podcast in the morning. Um, I call it secret because nobody knows who I am. The, the host or hosts know who I am, but nobody uh, that I'm on the podcast with or, or that can hear me has guessed who I am yet. Um, I use a fake username. We pretend in no way, shape, or form like uh, it's a mystery. And so nobody has investigated said mystery. But I do that podcast. Then I jump into the one with uh, Johnny and Reg and Silver. And we do that podcast for up to two to three hours. And then I do Maddie's until five or six at night. And so you're talking about, you know, a 12-hour spree of solid podcasts. When I get out, I haven't eaten because there's no time to eat between those. And um, a lot of times, man, my diet goes to shit on the weekends. Like, I, especially if I'm not working out and my brain tells me that I don't really need anything. You know, I'll do that thing where you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and it feels like your stomach is just eating itself because you haven't had anything to eat. And you're like, damn, what's wrong with me? Sorry, I had to get another drink. What are some of the other things I've been doing? I'd like to know what you guys have been doing. Like I said, hashtag spicy. If anything cool has been going on with your life, you know, throw throw that hashtag in there. I was surprised. I woke up this morning and saw a lot of people on Twitter playing games I didn't expect. Uh, a couple days ago, I asked people what games that they followed, and it was pretty crazy. It's interesting to me, probably because I joke around so much, but I don't have a big Twitter following, and I've never pushed it. I always talk about, you know, how I don't push it. I think you're looking at, like, 25,000 or something, which somebody may think is a lot, but it's actually very small when compared to YouTubers that are much smaller than me. Um, or or videos that don't do well at all. I don't even know how to push it. I don't even know how to push Twitter. Uh, and I, the only reason I would want to is really because of, um, you know, analytics. But I found it always strange that, you know, when you do the hashtags and you say like hashtag spicy and stuff like that, I only get like four or five people who respond. It's really weird. Um, but this a uh, couple days ago, I did a couple on Batman Origins as well as some questions on what people were playing, and they did phenomenally well. Batman Origins tweets do insanely well, and I tested it. So about three weeks ago, I did three Batman Origin uh, just tweets. I was talking about, you know, games that I felt would be missed. Red-headed stepchild of games, right? Treated poorly. Never going to really be claimed by the parent companies. That's just the way it's going to be, guys, and it, and it fucking sucks, and it's shitty. And boom, man. Those things were doing skyrocketing for my channel, uh, for my my Twitter channel, which just, it, you know, it, I'm lucky if I get 100 people to respond to something, even even at most. Normally, it's le way less than 100. And those were doing like 500 and 600. And then a couple days later, a couple days ago, actually, I did another one to test it. Um, because well, I wanted to talk about Origins, but I was I, I physically was like, I got to watch this one and see what it does. And it also did insanely well. And I can't tell if that's Origins. I can't tell if that's something that's changed with Twitter. I can't. I'm completely confused on why that one would do so well. Other than maybe my hope is more people like Origins than I thought. But even then, I'm still surprised. Like, is it because they're my fans and they like Origins? And if they do, what does that mean for me? And the reason why I bring that up is because 
You know, sometimes you're singing to the wrong crowd, right? If you go in, you're really good at hard rock singing and you fucking come in, you start singing to, you know, some opera singer, they may just be like, dude, what are you fucking doing, right? You're singing to the wrong people or you're singing to the wrong crowd. You're singing to the wrong person who's going to judge you. And sometimes I'm like, man, dude, do I need to cover these, you know, some other game I'm not thinking about? It's the same way with walking the walks. Walking the walks do terrible. Uh, they've done better now, but they're numbers that they've done when I redid a couple as well as uh, doing a new one, their numbers, Ghost of Shishima is what I did, their numbers are actually commensurate or a tiny bit lower in percentage actually than when I used to do them. And walking the walks are tough, man. Uh, it, but it's always interesting to me to see the what does well and look at it and go like, what the hell? Because normally I don't look too closely. I mean, I look, once I find something, I'll then go back and look at other stuff and then there's that question mark. And that's probably on me. There's probably something that can be easily described, but it's fairly weird. I'd always like to know, I guess, you know, if you guys are out there listening and you're like, well, Origins hit me because of this reason, if there's a good reason. Speaking of hit, man, a couple days ago. So I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you guys remember, but I had a drive die on my PC and this drive held everything for ACG. I had some stuff backed up, but not everything because I had a lot of work documents. And so I had to pay to have it uh, brought to a clean room overnight into a clean room and taken apart. Now, the amount of work I had on there made the, the cost well worth it. Uh, it was about 20, it was 2,700 or $3,500. So that took a big chunk out of my savings, but it did teach me a couple things. First, it taught me to update more than I was. I was already backing up every major OS, my drives, that kind of stuff. But what was going on here was I was backing them up to this drive. This was the backup drive. And then I was starting to get stingy with my upload. So I have an online backup and I was like, eh, you know, cause I had G drive, I have like two terabytes on there. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to fucking throw it on there. It'll be uploading in the middle of me trying to do something, blah, blah, blah. So I fixed all that and this was about, Two months ago, I think. I fixed all that shit. And then a couple days ago, opened up Windows and Windows Explorer started acting really weird. It wasn't responding. It wasn't opening files. It would wait for a long time before it opened something. And I didn't put two and two together until about an hour later when I realized another drive died. And I realized it was the expansion bay that might be killing them. So if you have a lot of hard drives, one of the things you can do is you can use a USB or eSATA, which is an external SATA expansion drives. And I love these things. They're fucking awesome. You plug them in via USB 3 or 2, if you have the older ones, uh, USB-C even, or eSATA or Thunderbolt. <laughs> yes, I know that's a lot of connections, but you, you have a lot of connection options. And you can put four, six, up to 10 hard drives in there. And your PC can see all of them through the USB uh, you know, through that USB uh, architecture that it's got. One of the nice things about it is there's something called JBOD, which allows for it to see ju basically just, just a box of disks is what that stands for. JBOD, just a box of disks. And the reason why it's called that is because a JBOD allows you to see all those disks. There are other systems that when you plug them in, you can only access one disk at a time. So these JBODs are great. They're not very expensive. You throw four or five-year-old drives in there, you've got yourself a little perfect backup, right? Let's say you move to a new PC and you're like, hey man, I need a backup. You can pick up one of these JBOD discs, you know, boxes for 29 bucks. You could go NOS with NES, which is a network um, hard drive, but they're a little slower than USB 3. Actually, they're a good deal slower than USB 3 a lot of times, at least for me. I've never really had a huge amount of luck. So I figure out, 
this JBOD box is probably, there's probably something going on with power. It's, you know, it's, it's a nicer box. It's lasted a long time, but something's happening. I mean, this is my assumption because another box died. What sucks though is, damn it, it's never a disc that doesn't have a lot on it. It's always, of course, and you know, you're using these discs, right? It's a disc that isn't very old, but it is a disc that had a shit ton of stuff on it. Now, this is stuff, thankfully, that I do not need. I do not have to have, right? So I'm not paying to get this thing repaired. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I did update some stuff off this disc, but it just goes to show you, you know, shit can happen, man, at the weirdest times. It was so weird to be sitting there, have everything just working. And I remember telling a friend, I'm like, I haven't had a tech issue. And I was knocking on wood. I was like, I haven't had a tech issue in a while. Like literally next week it goes bad. But don't let me talk you out of doing something like that if you decide to, because you can have a shit ton of drives. You can have a great backup to those drives. You could do a RAID array in those. Uh, RAID meaning the ability to basically write to one drive and have a backup on another of all that, a shadow backup basically kind of thing. Uh, and you can do some crazy stuff with them. It's fucking fantastic. It's a really cool thing when it comes to USB uh, external SATA or Thunderbolt. It's great because a lot of these cases have, fuck, eight, 10, 12 USB slots. And a lot of people don't use them all. Me, I use them all. Now, the reason why, or not all of them, well, maybe all of them, a lot of them. And the reason why I use a lot is of course, because I'm doing a lot of recording. So I have two or, th you know, I've got one that takes in my webcam. I've got one that takes in uh, my uh, video game console cams. I've got, you know, one that, uh, I fucking don't even know what all these are. I've got one, I'm just looking here. Uh, I've got an external sound card. I've got an older Xbox One uh, Bluetooth adapter for the controllers, that kind of stuff, right? So it's just cool because when you buy a PC, just like when you buy your Xbox or your, or your PS4, a lot of times you don't think about USB. And I know a lot of my friends don't think about USB at all. They don't, What I mean is they don't think about it as a truly expandable port. They think about it as a mouse and a keyboard. USB is fucking phenomenal, man. I mean, it, it may not have the best speed ever. USB 3 is not bad. USB C is not bad. But the stuff you can do with that shit is crazy pants. You can run, now they sell USB 3 uh, external video cards. Are they powerful? No. But what they will you allow you to do is like run another monitor if you're just going to use that monitor for like watching a TV show and you won't need an external video out. You do not need a normal HDMI out. Because I know a lot of people who have a video card, maybe they've got two monitors and they want a third. Is that a lot? Yes, it is. We can ignore that. Or they have a, a you know, maybe they've got a, a dual port and they don't have a dual port monitor and they don't want to get back there. For like 14 bucks, you buy yourself a USB monitor adapter. Some of the new ones go to 4K and they've got a little tiny baby video card on there. And it's crazy, man. It's just, it's nuts. It's nuts. And I've used them, by the way. They're, like, they legitimately work. It's it's just, it's freakish to me what you can do with the USB and the externals. And you can use, what's also interesting is you can use, like, the Xbox. I have an Xbox USB splitter, a USB-C, or sorry, USB-3 splitter. And as long as you're not accessing multiple drives on that splitter, you can plug in multiple drives to the Xbox as well. Because I think on my Xbox, I have... Uh, two externals, normal, HDD, and a hybrid, and then I have two NVMEs and I, because I use a splitter on the back. It's very cool that you can do all that kind of stuff with USB. Phenomenal. USB sound cards are phenomenal if you have issues with the you know, sound card on your motherboard. 
throw yourself a USB. I mean, there's a lot of really good USB sound cards out there, especially because a lot of sound cards get that whine from the motherboard. I have a very good one, a very good motherboard uh, sound card that I'm using right now because my USB did die. I think it got stepped on because it was I, I put it on the side and stuck it to the side of the monitor. I think a dog hit it. That, that kind of stuff happens. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's just incredible. Here I am talking about the love of USB. People will be like, man, this is a true nerd channel. So another thing I wanted to talk about, and I'll probably do a video about this, but people have asked what it looks like a typical day in the life of Carrick, a day in the life of a, of a reviewer. And, you know, I'll probably do a video where it just shows Premiere crashing every three minutes and that kind of stuff. But a day in the life of me, I think, is uh, extraordinarily mundane compared to a lot of people. One of the things I like to do is I like to have a schedule, even if that schedule goes long. So I have a tendency to get up around the same time and get started. I, I like to get truly working no later than 8.30. I'm usually on Discord by 5.30 a.m. I usually wake up at 3.30 a.m. Uh, I'm a very early bird kind of person, but I get up. So what I usually do, just so everybody knows, I get up, grab myself a couple drinks, whether it's a rock star, you know, some kind of energy drink in the morning, whether it's just a, you know, a cola, that kind of stuff. And I just sort of wake the dogs. We play around. I like to sit down uh, in the living room and just play with some of my dogs because they're, you know, we've got a couple old ones I talk about in the video, but we've got a couple young ones too. And I don't want the young ones sort of getting old too quick, which can happen if you have an old dog in the house because the young ones don't get to play as much. So we sit, we hang. The smoke has been dreadful. There's so much smoke, just so everybody knows how bad it is in Oregon. Currently, there's so much smoke that around every light in my house, you can see a halo. And people said, why don't you leave? Especially because currently our air quality is the worst that's ever been historically recorded ever in the world, ever. It's actually worse than Shanghai, all the places in China where you were hearing people, you know, were told not to go outside. It's actually worse. We had it over 1,000. It was so high, the index for basically unacceptable air was so high that the meters just stopped reporting the number. It reminds you of Chernobyl when the meters there for radioactivity were maxed out at a certain number because no one thought that they would ever be tested at a much higher radioactivity. That's basically what's going on here. It's that bad. And what sucks is we're in a good spot, by the way. We're not in the greatest spot. There's other spots that are a little bit better, but we're in a good spot. And all the way up to the north, there's fires and all the way south, there's fires. So there's not a lot of places to go. So you sort of have to make do with what you got. So I got my bug out bags, those for anybody who doesn't understand what those are, those are bags filled with just, you know, if you, if you have some water, uh, if you have some batteries, that kind of stuff, I go pretty insane with those kind of things. I've got like meals to go, that kind of stuff, dog food in there for the dogs that we replace once a year. So, you know, it's not, it, it can't go bad. Same with our food, uh, different little things that we may need. And I do that because it's actually come, you know, it's actually come up, you know, you'll, you'll hear people say something about like preppers. Now I don't have a nuclear bunker which is probably what they mean. But you get a lot of people who are like, oh man, preppers, blah, blah, blah. It's not a prepper at all. I had to live through this shit. So about six years ago, it froze. It got down to about negative 12, I think. And what happened was a bunch of the trees broke and killed the power for four days. So what we had was anywhere from negative 12 to about five or six degrees Fahrenheit, it was in the house at all times. The heat in the house just went away. We had our flashlights, right? We had a couple things, but we ended up at one point, you know, seriously contemplating trudging out to like some kind of shelter one at a time to see if we could make it. I mean, it was that bad. It was ridiculous. We're talking, you know, multiple feet of snow, no power, 
And of course, you know, you do have your chains on cars, but at that point, when the snow falls in the middle of the night, a lot of times the car is just stuck. You know, it could take you hours to get out and that's already dangerous. So when we got through that, which we did, I made sure to have a lot of stuff in these bug out bags. So we got that all prepped. And when I wake up in the morning, especially now because of how bad it is, you know, usually it's like clearing your lungs for 10 or 15 minutes, go outside, verify Fire's not at the edge of my deck or something crazy like that. We've got everything set up if we need to go, if we get an evac order. Luckily, last day or so, they've, I, I don't want to say this too, you know, I don't want to tempt fate, but luckily the evac orders have slightly dropped versus gone up. And hopefully we may have some rain tomorrow. We were supposed to have it, we were supposed to have it yesterday, but hopefully we'll have some rain and that would really help because it's just a disaster here. It's so bad they prohibited fire. They prohibited everything. Any single item that you had outside your house that had a flame in it was illegal, which I've just, at least for here, I've never heard of. We just, it's just never happened. And we've had really bad fire seasons here. And I've never heard them just say, like, you can't, you couldn't even light a match. You couldn't smoke. You couldn't, I mean, it was crazy. They were just like, it is, it is now considered illegal. Um, safety, safety mechanism too. Uh, and I, I think it made total sense. But wake up, I go out and do that. And then I come back in and, you know, the next hour or so I'm doing discord. I'm talking to people. I'm jiving on email. I'm fucking yapping back and forth. I'm checking codes. I'm checking games when they come out, checking to make sure, you know, I haven't made a mistake on a video or that I've got a good idea for that video for the day. And then it's really about playing games or, or sitting down and thinking about what I want to say when I do play a game. Those kind of times are a little bit different because I have a tendency to just move around and think in my head. That's usually how I think of what I want to say. Um, I just, it just comes to me as I'm walking. I'll be like, okay, I want to make this point. I want to make that point. And it sort of comes together. And then I can sit down, hit record and just be like, sup everybody. This is Carrick with ACG and begin. But playing games is a little different. You know, playing games, one of the things I have to do, I always tell people is a lot of times I have to turn off Discord, right? I have to turn off Twitter. I have to turn off email. I have to turn off all that because playing a game, if you're not enjoying the game in particular, or if the game maybe isn't grabbing you at that moment, you know, it's easy to get sidetracked. I have multiple monitors and I'm like, you know, got to make sure I don't have a, a show up, you know, anything like that. I try to make sure that I give 100% to the game. I know a lot of people, it's stunning to me. This is not bad talking to anybody. They've talked about it on their Twitter out in the open. So this is not, I'm not gonna say anybody's names, but I'm just saying this is something that has for sure been said. There's a lot of reviewers that are like listening to podcasts or playing games and watching shows at the same time. And I am blown away how they would ever be able to say that they could pay attention to everything. Like it's, and I mean fully pay attention. I'm not saying just pay attention like a normal casual consumer, but pay attention and notice things or, or pick up on things. Even audio cues. It, well, maybe that's why people don't mention audio a lot. I don't know. Anyway, it's stunning. So I turn all that off. Make sure the Alexa's off. Make sure all of that kind of... Alexa, turn off. Because she's listening right now. Make sure all that stuff's off. And I just... And I game as much as I can. I try to give myself the leeway that I need. My recording doesn't take a long time. You know, editing, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh man, editing takes a long time. That kind of stuff. I think editing takes a lot of time if you're scripting. So... I think that's the one play. I, I think I have two traits that have come out of my old jobs and I've been really lucky to have, just blessed to have for this particular job. One is scheduling. It sounds so weird, but that's all I did all my life prior to this job. Well, one of my traits I always had to have prior to this job was scheduling and understanding how much you can get out of somebody before you saw a drop off in productivity. And so 
you know, because sure, somebody may work eight hours during the day and they've got their lunch and break, but is that six and a half hours that they are working? Is that, you know, quality work, right? And you have to look at each person and say, can we get this kind of quality from this person doing something else in that amount of time? You know, and a lot of movement and a lot of adjusting human pegs and human pegs can change. Somebody has a relationship issue, they come to work, suddenly they can't do anything that comes to do with, let's say numbers, because their brain is now emotional and numbers don't work. And if you don't think that's true, go look at thousands of studies that prove that point valid time and again. And my last job was statistical, very statistical, like, what I want to say, but highly statistical. Uh, it was something that we were running numbers all the time. We were writing reports all the time. Uh, they were validated by multiple, multiple people at any one time. And a lot of those reports were seen or, or drove state legislature at different times, um, as well as I'm sure were seen by some, you know, various different uh, people within federal jobs. So you had to make sure those were good. And scheduling was always really important. And taking that in here and being able to schedule my own time and say, you know, this isn't working for me or this is working for me. And what's this time work better? I'm very good at scheduling. And one of the reasons why is because I do start my day around the same time every day, uh, regardless if I have the plan to do a small video, a big video or play a game. I'm usually like, this is when I'm going to start it. Um, this is, you know, when I'm going to sort of be finished up with the general main part of the job. And the other thing I would say would be just honestly the ability to blather and the inability or not the inability, but the lack of need for really scripting. I, I can script in my head pretty damned well. And I think that that helps because for me, that allows me to edit or cut uh, a video pretty quickly. It's not always quick. It can, you know, an, if you've got a 15 minute video, depending on what you want to show, you know, it could be longer if you've got a lot of skills that you want to show, as long as you're taking care prior when you're naming those videos, you know, you can do well. But if you don't, it can be a little bit hard to scrub your content and verify what you've got shows what you're trying to show. And I will certainly have issues where I haven't shown what I want to show that that happens. I'm not saying it's perfect at all, but that has been something that's helped me was the ability to just go like I do in a podcast. And, you know, it's so strange, especially when talking about a game it's so easy for me to sort of get into the rhythm and just be like, this is blah, 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 blah. You know, what I want to say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm thinking, scooting, booting, rooting, tooting. Like those kind of things pop off. It's very easy. And so it works for me uh, where maybe somebody else is much better at something else, but um, it doesn't work for them. And so that allows me, I think, a little bit more time to do game reviews. I think that, you know, I've always been, even Total Biscuit, when we talked, he's like, dude, how do you do so many? And I'm just like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like that many. I did come from jobs that I'll just say this. I come from jobs. All of my jobs were much harder than this one when it came to the requirements in the moment. Insanely high stress. One of them was life or death for 13 years. And the other one was high stress when it came to making sure there were zero errors and that you, you know, things were always being taken care of. So coming to here, that being able to adjust hasn't been a big deal. And it's been interesting to talk to other YouTubers and find out what, you know, works for them. What works for Maddie is different than what works for me, that kind of stuff. And uh, not always different, actually, because we do have a, a good deal of overlap, but in some ways it's different. It's always, always fun to talk to people and sort of get their idea of what works and get some, and get some ideas, you know, from each other or even prove, you know, what's weird. 
I think when talking to these other YouTubers, talking to Maddie in, in particular, you don't always learn something new to do. Sometimes there's this refreshing moment when you learn that what you do currently feels like the best situation for you. And that's happened for him and myself, where you're talking and you'll be like, hey man, I'm having an issue with this. I talked to Yong Yi one time. I think it was during Maddie's podcast actually. And I needed some help on Adobe. Now this is something so crazy because I'd been using Adobe forever and there was something that was so basic I could not figure out, right? And it's that thing, I don't know if you guys have ever had this where you're looking at something, you're like, I should be able to figure this shit out. It's not hard and you still can't figure it out, right? You're looking at it, you're like, this feels like I'm reading an alien language, but you know it's not hard. It was, it was crazy to have him explain it and be like, oh shit, it's as easy as I thought it was. And then you can decide from that point on, is that what I want to do? And I think that that's one of the things that really helps. Uh, with Maddie's, we've got Dustin on there now from Handsome Phantom. And it's funny because we've got him on there and talking back and forth and finding out like what they do because you know they've got a couple different things that I don't have uh, with his coverage with Colin and sort of get an idea of what works, what doesn't work you know, what has worked, what hasn't worked. And uh, it's, it's always just so helpful, man. Even if it's just telling you, internalizing, okay, this may not be the best option for me, but it's the option that works right now for me. And sometimes right now is what matters. And, you know, we can always prepare for the future. But just like I tell you guys, jumping on that YouTube you know, bandwagon, if you're going to do it, sometimes right now is the only now you have. You know, you won't have a later if you don't have a right now. And that's just the way it is. You will not. You you can't create a later in YouTube if you don't have a right now. I'm starting in YouTube. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It That's not how it works. You have to have that right now moment where you're like, what am I doing right now? And sometimes you'll find out that the steps you're taking right now are the best ones. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool feeling to walk away and go, okay, I don't have this gulf of like knowledge or this gulf of ideas that I thought I did because that does impact a lot of YouTubers and a lot of Twitch streamers, a lot of everybody where you th you'll be thinking, man, I think I probably am doing this wrong. And then you talk to somebody and they're like, nah, man, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm so open with like, especially in our discord, when we get somebody in the discord, who's like, you know, how do you do this? Or, you know, it's probably trade secret. And I'm like, dude, trade secret. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Like it's YouTube. YouTube isn't even a fucking trade. I mean, well, it may be, but you know what I mean? Like, who gives a shit? Like, it's so low level compared to real world shit. If I, you know, w gave somebody a trade secret that massively allowed for them to, like, steal my entire audience, that's on me, man. That wouldn't be on them, right? That wouldn't be on one particular thing. So to me, I like that kind of stuff. And even with like Dustin coming on with Lone when he was on and sort of talking about ideas and sharing them and going like, hey man, you know, you should try this or watching them and uh, identifying things that work for them. Speaking of things that work for them, it is almost one hour into this. And once again, boom, no ads. Now I know some of you are probably like, hey man, that's awesome, no ads. But I gotta say, it absolutely fucking sucks for me. Hopefully we get some ads back on. No clue why they dropped. Um, they don't tell you why they drop. This is pretty much just like YouTube. They just dropped out of the blue. It was just uh, a couple uh, a couple days ago. It was just, you know, this this ad campaign is over. And you're like, oh, all right. You know, that sort of sucks. I don't get a lot of ad campaigns, but uh, I figured the best thing I can do is continue to do the podcast as normal. And at minimum, I won't be able to ever look back and say, hey, you know what? I could have done more. And that's why I didn't get more, you know, people who want to do an ad, you know. Because I actually enjoyed doing the Spotify ones in the iTunes or in the uh, 
yeah, Spotify and Anchor ones because I actually use those. So I was having I was having a really good time being able to say, hey, you know, I use these. I don't feel bad. And instead, you know, those are the ones that are gone. Hopefully they will be like a what would it be? Uh, Sega Dreamcast one. That would be awesome because I still have a Sega Dreamcast. It'd be awesome if Sega came back with a Dreamcast too. It was just like bitches prepare to be nerdified and just has that startup sound. That'd be so good. Let's see, what else do we got here? Looking at questions and topics on Twitter. We actually don't have a lot for the last couple of days. I think last couple of days have just been so drawn up and cut up by this Xbox and PS5 stuff. Uh, just absolutely could not give a shit myself. I, I just feel like, man, I just want to be done with this shit. I just can't wait till they're out and so we can start talking about games and the games that we like. You know, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the games they don't like because, of course, that's all that most people are interested in is that, you know, mental jerk-off session. But to me, and I'll certainly talk about the games I don't like, but to me, it's it's the excitement of playing some of these amazing games and continuing to play them. Guys, this is a year where we got Desperados 3. We got Death Stranding on PC, Right. We got games that maybe we hadn't even known were coming out that have come out and been fantastic. We have big titles that we expected to be good that have been good. I know people have had technical issues with Wasteland 3, but I didn't. And Wasteland 3 was just fucking phenomenal. We have all these amazing games. And it's easy to be down on gaming because there's other stuff that's gone on. You know, whether it be microtransactions or the ultimate edition from 505 Publishing and Remedy. But... When you sort of look at just how everything's come together and the sheer scope in which we've been offered titles and some of these titles, what I find so interesting is many of them are sequels and I get it that people don't like sequels and I get the idea and I actually do believe at least in some small part that sequels are a little bit easier to sort of go down the rabbit hole and cause issues with, but we've actually got a number of sequels that are fucking phenomenal and in the past, there's always been this thing where, like, if a sequel doesn't do well, then you'd have a video where somebody's like, this is proof a sequel doesn't do well. If a game is not rated, you know, amazing, but reviewers rated amazing, people will be like, this is proof that reviewers and gamers don't work well. Of course, the opposite comes up and you never see videos. You just never. It, it's so funny because we've seen multiple games come up that have been fantastic, both critically and by the audience, and you never see somebody being like, well... I guess multiple videos where we all agreed, multiple critics and the audience agreed these games are awesome. We do actually agree. Now, you'll never see that because they just, they don't get the views. So to me, it's one of the reasons why I love my Discord and I love being able to talk in the podcast and, you know, do those side videos because there's just so many fantastic titles out there. There's some shit. There's some shit for sure. And there's actually been a lot of mediocre titles I've found that really haven't, you know, churned my bacon. I was not, I was not really in love with kingdoms of Amalar when it came to, you know, even what I got to play, ignoring the technical stuff, there was a lot of game in there that I did like with kingdoms. There, there is, I got to admit, man, I, I liked some of the factions and how those, how those stories were working. I really dug that shit, but then, you know, it's not really an upgrade, right? We see that and we're like, man, it's not an upgrade, but on the same hand, we turn around and we look at, you know, Tony Hawk, right? And you see Tony Hawk come out of the gates and it does phenomenally well. Then you see Avengers, which I think Avengers is one of those mid-tier titles where you're going to get a lot of people liking it just because it's Avengers, which I think they have their due. I think there's nothing really necessarily wrong with that. For example, I like Transformers. I like 
Dragonlance. I like Robotech. I like some older IPs. If they made a, a game that sort of spoke to me on that level, I might like it. You know, I might be like, hey, you know, and I would probably tell you guys in review, this isn't a good game. I'm still enjoying it because it's my IP, you know, and I'm happy to be playing something. I wish it was better, but Avengers, I think, is sort of in that line. But we have all these good games. You just go back and look. You start looking at all these titles hitting Steam. VR got Half-Life Alex. I mean, Half-Life Alex. you guys know if you follow the channel, I was not in love with Half-Life Alex when it was announced. I was like, yeah, it's not for me. I didn't like the way Valve was doing it. I didn't like the index connected to it. And it sort of felt like it was just a big plan to get you to buy it. But what turned out was a phenomenal title. So... Anyway, that'll be it for me today. I'm going to keep this around the hour, hour 10 mark. I absolutely appreciate it if you guys go to iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, review this, put a, put a comment on there if you're at a place where you can put a comment on there. Remember, it's spicy for the hashtag. If you get to the hashtag, put hashtag spicy, drop a line, say you got this far. That is always really appreciated to figure out if somebody even got to the end of one of the podcasts. We're going to have a bunch of stuff coming up, videos, podcasts, you know it. It's going to be a blast. Also, ACG at Teespring. Check out the shirts, man. Inspired by gamers, inspired by games, inspired by the games and how you play them. It's been insane to see how many people are picking those shirts up. I don't make a lot on them. I make barely anything. But the idea of somebody wearing an ACG shirt and actually liking the shirts, which is what I've been hearing a lot of people say, is that they're like, these are the first. I bought tons of shirts supporting a ton of people, and these are the first shirts I actually like and are comfortable and i'm just stunned they're a brand new uh, shirt offering from teespring not everybody has them they're an all over the shirt shirt offering for the the colorings so they you know you can right now i've got a couple that look more like esports that kind of stuff but i've got some really cool designs on there teespring acg anyway that's it for me i hope you guys all stay safe see you at minimum this friday if not some reviews or previews prior to that peace out Oh, check out Patreon. It always helps.